Welcome to The Sacramentalists, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith has brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts today. I'm Father Hayden Butler. I'm Father Creighton McElveen. And I'm Father Wesley Walker. And today we're talking about the important pastoral topic of making a good confession. This is something that um, I think every Christian who aspires to grow is going to ask at some point. Um, a lot of times uh, people's initial interaction with confession um, is more informed by what they've seen in uh, moody um, cinematic productions rather than uh, something that's informed by actual fact and people's experience. Um, and that's you know understandable, I think, to a certain extent, because I don't know, I've not always been the most ready to talk about what I've done in confession or said in confession or experienced in confession. Um, but I think, I hope that by our conversation today, we help to um, demystify the experience a bit and shed some light on on preparing for a confession, making a confession, um, and then you know how we move forward from the experience of confession. Uh, so I thought to start us off today, um, I know that we've done an episode in the past, uh, Father West, you posted um, a, a, an extensive kind of what is confession, what is the sacrament of penance, um, which is the formal name for what we more popularly call confession. Um, but just to refresh for new listeners here, um, I wanted to kind of take us through a little bit of an, a brief overview of what is this thing we're talking about today um, and, um, and zeroing in on particularly the sacramental expression of confession, um, so that we we're all on the same page. Um, so I think I think it's good to start with um, the kind of biblical basis for it, which you know begins with our Lord. You know, our Lord, as we see in um, Saint Mark chapter two, he he demonstrates that he, as the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins by forgiving the sins and healing the paralytic that is lowered into him, um, to the astonishment of the Pharisees who are grumbling in their hearts against him. Uh, the authority that he bears, he then bestows on his apostles, as we see in John chapter 20, when he says, when he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and says, whose sins ye remit, they are remitted, whose sins ye retain, they are retained, which are the same words that are spoken over us as we are ordained as priests. And then, then of course, we see the apostles beginning to exercise this authority in their own ministries in, um, for example, St. Paul, who um, excommunicates and then restores uh, the penitent, um, this, uh, this infamous scandal in the Corinthian church of the incestuous person that he finds, um, you know, he finds so abhorrent and so um, scandalous to the integrity of their community. And then, of course, St. James uh, draws, uh, draws our attention to the elders going to pray for the sick um, and, uh, and, and saying directly, if that person has committed sins, those sins will be forgiven him. Um, and so we see a continuity in the scriptures between all these things. And, and what the church has you know, discerned in this, in seeing this continuity, it's, is, uh, I think, articulated well by the early 20th century dogmatic theologian uh, Francis Hall, um, when he defines, you know, con the, the sacrament of penance or confession as the remedy of post-baptismal sin and situates it at that part of the Christian life. He says, such sin is to the baptismal life what physical disease is to the physical life. True repentance, no doubt, will always secure divine pardon for Christians, but in its graver forms, sin hardens men's hearts and makes repentance difficult in many cases, very unlikely, 
apart from the special aid of grace which this sacrament is designed to afford. And then, you know, I always loved the, the characterization by the Orthodox theologian Alexander Schmemann when he says that sin is a self-excommunication from baptismal union with Christ, who is forgiveness itself. And that repentance is a return to our first love and penance is a relational reconciliation that avoids the kind of sometimes the more popularly known like sort of juridical ways of understanding confession um, and that this kind of relational sense of it is actually the original sense in the church so i'm curious of you guys um, how have you uh, taught on this and how how do you explain it to your people when you first introduce them to this topic of making confession yeah i think um it's an interesting question it's uh a lot of our churches as Anglicans, especially those that uh, have a lot of people who came out of the older Episcopal Church, maybe confession uh, as a regular practice was not something that was really practiced or encouraged. And so it is a little foreign to people when you start doing it. And so some of it is doing exactly what you just did, Father, which is uh, opening the scriptures and showing people, hey, there's a biblical precedent for this. Um, priests have the, have the power to do it. Um, I also think people can benefit from our own testimonies about it. So telling people like, hey, this is a practice that I do. Every week I go to confession and um, this is how it benefits me. And um, I think you would probably benefit from it too. Not because you're a particularly bad sinner, but just because of the needs that this sacrament addresses. So that's definitely one, one way to do it. And the other thing I always tell people is that this sacrament exists just like all the other sacraments exist, which is for our assurance. People can be saved apart from baptism. The church certainly teaches that God's not bound um, to the sacrament, but he's or not by the sacrament. He's bound to the sacrament. And so, you know, there are lots of people who I'm sure will be in heaven who were never baptized. But um, if you want to be certain that you're a member of the church, then baptism is the thing to do. Uh, and so similarly, confession offers us a kind of assurance. If I sin and I'm sorry in my heart, uh, deep down truly sorry in a, in a sort of perfectly contrite way, then yeah, just like the quote, just like the Hall quote says, I'll be forgiven. But how do I know that I'm really sorry? Uh, because often I'm sorry because I don't want to get caught or I don't want the punishments or I don't want to go to hell. And so I am sorry, but in a selfish way. And uh, that's not the best state to be in. And it's hard to know, well, does God really forgive me? And I mean, when growing up evangelical without the sacrament of, of penance, this is why I have friends who are baptized three or four times because they get baptized and then they go out and they do some sin, maybe a, a habitual sin. And then they feel like, oh, well, I'm not really a Christian. So then they'd have to give their life to Christ again and get baptized again. Um, and so actually uh, far from inducing shame or inducing anxiety, I think that the sacrament of penance is actually designed to help that. So I think that's really important to highlight for people. Hey, this will help you. Uh, this solves the sort of Martin Luther problem of scrupulosity. Mm. Yeah, I think in in my ministry, one of the ways that I've gone about talking to people uh, about confession is the, the I think the physician kind of patient relationship is helpful. Um, the same things, uh, you know, going through church history and scripture and, and the kind of theological explanation for it. But when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, here's a course of treatment to address whatever ailment you have, you don't say, nah, I'm good, I'll figure it out myself. 
And you don't sit at home if you, you know, if you've broken your leg and say, you know, maybe if I put a splint on it, that'll help. There's no assurance that that helps. So you go to a professional, you go to a doctor, someone who's uh, trained to help deal with that. And you listen to the treatment that is given to you. And I think there's some aspect of this uh, with the confessional that's really helpful you know, when we when we think of sin and our propensity to sin as, as you know something that's an illness that it's 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 a weakness of our own uh, will and um, we can't solve this problem on our own. We go to the physician. We go to um, the the priest who, in the person of Christ in that sacrament, is exercising Christ's role as physician and healer of souls. And there's this accountability that's there and there's this, this is what's going on. This is what I've done. And through that action, it's both cathartic. It's, it's helpful to the person um, in, a, in a sort of experiential way, but it's also deeply, obviously, it's, it's healing to the soul and, and reconciling that relationship to God. Um, so I really like the kind of medical understanding i think people resonate to it because you go to the doctor you go to the dentist or whatever um or you should be um and i think i think another thing this is interesting recently um father robert bader and i were talking about this he's been on the show before um kind of a different way to think about confession um i think a lot of people are afraid of confession uh, of going and partaking of this particular sacrament because in some ways they see it as this trial. They they feel judged. They feel like, you know, maybe the priest is judging me for this sin that I've committed and I'm ashamed of it and whatnot. But, um, and in, in that model, it's sort of um, me going and giving God a second chance, right? It's like, I messed up and God is angry at me. Um, and you are, it, I misspoke earlier. It's sort of the idea is that God is giving us a second chance that we we've, we've used up a, an option, right? But he's I was like, going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's <laughs> like, you know, we think of it as, as getting, um, a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance. Um, and that, you know, God's up there with a tally book saying like, all right, after so many of these, I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, but it's actually the other way around. It's us sort of going back to God because he's always been present. He's always there. He's always consistent. And it's, uh, it's us reorienting ourselves back to the place of our baptism. It's that restoration into that relationship that we have in baptism. Um, and so it's, it's not this God up there checking boxes it's really us going back and saying you know what you tell us that you you are trustworthy and that you will forgive us if we're penitent and contrite but it's really me that's getting in the way of that like the schmemann quote that self-excommunication um and i think in some ways that helps people understand that it's it's not about the priest judging you or god up there with this cosmic tally book looking at you and saying, how dare you do these bad things? It's really about making sure you're right with God. It's restoring a beautiful relationship. 
I think that's uniquely reflected in the Anglican practice of confession. Um, you know, we we find ourselves in this in this position where we both affirm the power and, and the grace of priestly absolution, right? That the, it has a real sacramental effect. There's an objective grace that's bestowed through this sacrament. Um, but we also um, have, have largely abolished compulsory confession, right? Where we have where we've we've not made it a necessarily a, um, a, a like a we haven't made it like a requirement, you know, in a, you know, in a in a sort of canonically binding way. Um, and so we we're in this position where we where we where we have to deliberate about this and how we're going to practice this um, as 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 Anglicans. And so um, it invites us, I think, to uh, to a greater immediacy with that re relational aspect of it, because um, we were not, you know, sort of dragged along by the authority of another to do something that we would not do in a million years, but for that being dragged. Um, now we're, we're we have to we have to have a relationship with confession and with God in confession, um, and so. You know, I think Thornton. You know, Martin Thornton um, in the in the in the later twentieth century, he he kind of comes along with some really um, practical sensibilities around um, you know the practice of confession, and he points to the the way that Anglicans practice it, both in the the sacramental form, uh, but then also in the more general forms at morning and evening prayer, and even on Sunday in the liturgy of Holy Communion. Um, and he he actually sees this as a benefit for a Christian, um, whereas on the one hand, private confession has that objectivity. It's intensive. It's incisive. Um, it it uh, it helps us to avoid, like you pointed out, Father West, that kind of scrupulosity that where we wander away and say, "Was I really sorry? Did I really make a confession? Did God really forgive me?" Because a real a, a voice, you know, from someone who's trained and formed to do this to offer this ministry said. You, you know, the Lord has put away your sins. Um, you know, go in peace now, um, and that becomes our then our obedience is to go forward in that peace. Um, and, but then on the other hand, those more general forms that we more regular we we come to at morning and evening, and you know, and on Sunday, um, those also kind of you know they they build up um, an exercise in that spiritual fortitude, right? Where we don't come to depend just on the mechanism of something. Um, we don't um, sort of you know, be, become less of a person involved in all this because it does require us to exercise that spiritual fortitude and to exercise hope that the grace that God has promised is actually being delivered, um, even when it is a bit more general. Um, and, and also has the effect of, re, you know, kind of bringing us back into that collective communal sense of confession and at mass on Sunday, but then also, you know, in that kind of private colloquy with God um, during the offices, it's an opportunity to exercise that as well. And what we get with that kind of threefold practice of confession is, is a pretty well-balanced, you know, spiritual discipline of it. Um, but we're here to talk about um, that sacramental form of confession. And and I, I and since this is a short, I want to kind of get to the, the meat and potatoes of it here um, and uh, talk about the process of preparing for a confession. Um, so I, I thought it would be helpful maybe before we talk about preparation is to talk about what are we preparing actually to do here. Um, and there may be some listeners out there who have never made a confession um, or have not made a confession in, in an Anglican context. And so it's it's worth mentioning that the you know the essential parts of a confession are going to involve the articulation of a, a repentance for sins committed, 
usually the naming of those sins committed, uh, a sor expressing a sorrow for those sins committed, and then some sort of resolution to amend for, uh, amend one's life, to go forward differently, to lead a, a life that that departs from those, that, a definitive breaking point with those things. Um, so, uh, in as 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 priests who you know who hear confessions and and who also teach about confession, um, what, what what you know? How do you kind of unfold those things in a way that is again relationally um, situated rather than a kind of like you need these three constituent parts in order for it to be valid and, and kind of moving away from that more into this is why it matters that these these things are called forth from us. So, what what do you guys think about that? I think one of the things that I've noticed is talking about that kind of preparation is important. Um, if you pray, you know, the daily offices, uh, either from the prayer book, or if you've ever used the St. Augustine's prayer book or anything like that, you'll see that kind of built into those offices is, is this calling to mind of your sins, an examination of conscience. And it's surprising if you're in pastoral ministry the how often people don't do that like the the idea of an examination of conscience is pretty foreign to most people even a good christian may go through days weeks months where they're really not examining their conscience they're really not doing that work and i think once we start unpacking the necessity of being self reflective that makes it a very real sort of lived human experience. So when you talk to to a, a kid preparing for making, maybe making their first confession or an adult who this practice is new to them, I always say, you know, it's important to start being self-reflective. It's, it's important to, to examine your life and think from that, as you kind of are calling to mind, maybe the areas that you weren't, uh, in line with uh, Christian morality or or things you neglected, um, what is the response that you as a human being who wants to love God, who wants to live in the community of the church, what's that innate natural response? And most people say, well, I, I feel sorry for those things that I've done. You know, we know when we sin, we, we, we know what that feels like. And when you go back and look at it, you realize that you sort of innately have this response. You're like, ooh, I'm a little uncomfortable about thinking that I, oh, I did that. Oh, and you become a little bit unsure. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm starting to feel bad about it. I know I shouldn't have done that. That response is your conscience acting and working in that process of self-reflection. And then you know, with, with confession, you have the choice to act on that. You have the choice to then go in and seek the assurances and the graces of this particular sacrament. And you also, as a human being, know if you, you know, do something to your wife and you realize it later on, oh, I shouldn't have said that to my wife or I said that in a bad way. I feel bad about it. I need to go talk to her about it, make things right and reconcile that relationship. And then I need to move forward and make sure that I don't do that again. That pattern of behavior is a very natural human pattern of behavior. 
And with confession, it's the same way, right? We're in a relationship with God, just like we're in a relationship with our spouse or our children or grandparents or whoever. And we just need to remember that that pattern of behavior is there and that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that it always is helpful, I think, for people to hear this cast in relational terms. We, as people who like theology, can sometimes, I think, abstract the conversation outside of relationality when, in fact, it's all about relationship. And so especially paralleling it with human reconciliation gives people a framework that helps them understand what's really happening here. It's not arbitrary. You know, um, uh, in fact, I recently heard a story about a, a, a well-meaning priest who heard a confession of a parishioner. And uh, I, it sounds like this priest doesn't doesn't do a lot of confessions. And when the parishioner asked him for an act of penance, told gave him a lecture about how you can't earn forgiveness from God. You know, as if that's what penance is about. But penance is about giving God back a gift after we've received a great gift. It's which, again, is very natural to a relationship. Right. If I buy my wife a present, she buys me a present, not in a tip for tat way, not in a sort of looking at the ledger and saying, oh, well, you spent seventy two dollars on my present. So I have to spend seventy two dollars on yours. But rather this I this spirit of giving to each other. And so penance reminds us to do that. Right. It's a relationship. Another I thing I would on. add to what Father Creighton said is that it's also helpful to remind people that they are supposed to be making progress. And biblically, we have a couple different ways of explaining or pictures of explaining that. I mean, we have the Israelites going to the promised land, uh, so you can cast the spiritual life in that same, you know, we're in the desert of this life and we're trying to get to the to beatitude, which is the promised land. But there's also the Pauline imagery of running the race, of training for an athletic competition. And I think when we do that, it gives people more of a, of a, again, more of a framework to understand the utility of confession. Martin Thornton in Christian Proficiency says, how do you uh, assess your progress as a Christian? And he says, well, it's in ethical terms. In other words, am I sinning less is the question. And so confession, regular confession gives us the opportunity to assess our spiritual health on a regular basis and, and then helps us run that race or uh, continue on in that journey or whichever metaphor works best in, in a given situation. Um, and so I think we we can really draw from that vocabulary and those those rich pictures as we teach confession better. Um, and each of those components, each of those three components that you listed, Father Hayden, are integral to running the race or training the body or uh, or making progress or going on the journey. I mean, all of them kind of fit within that framework in different ways. So let's say, you know, our listeners, you know, have taken these, you know, brilliant insights to heart and they're, they're like, I need to get to confession right now, which I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I realized even as preparing for this podcast, it's like, oh, I, I, it's, I, it's been a minute, you know, and I, I, I have a regular kind of habit of confession, but um, owing to like travel and stuff, it, 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 you know, I'm a little overdue and I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to contact my confessor here. So let's, let's, let's talk nuts and bolts now. Um, you're going to go make a confession. You, you can you you're persuaded of the goodness of this that this is something that if you haven't been around for a while um, you need to come back to or if you've never been a part of it's time to it's you know it's time to to, to open that door um, let's talk the practicality of it so when you're gonna go make a confession you have to find a confessor 
Um, Thornton talks about, you know, the uh, the what he calls the emotional dynamics of making confession um, involving quite a bit. Um, how is my priest going to look at me after I make a confession here? Um, and Thornton goes has spends an entire section of his chapter on penance and Christian proficiency, talking about you know the, reminding everyone the confessor and the penitent are always on the same side, right? Um, that the seal is absolute. That that means that their their behavior toward you cannot change after hearing confession, right? Um, he Thornton uses a, a a brilliantly you know British you know, localism um, in describing this. He's like, well, if we're at tea time later on that day and I've confessed to alcoholism, you know, is the is the vicar going to withhold a, a glass of sherry from me? And, and, and he's like, no, not if he's observing the seal of confession is the answer to that. And so, um, so we're talking about, you know, contacting your priest or your bishop for a confession here, but that, that is more than just, you know, finding their number in the church directory. So what, what, what goes into that for you guys? And, and, and as you confront the challenge in that, some of the anxiety in that, and that, what would you advise our listeners? Uh, well, a couple of things on my end, which is the first thing is that when somebody is in the confessional, one of the things that always runs through my mind is if that that person can't be forgiven, then I can't be forgiven. And so there's no judgment from me to the person because I'm not there to judge. In fact, Soren Kierkegaard preached a sermon um, when he was a postulant in the Lutheran Church of Denmark uh, where he says that. He says, when you come to confession, who is judging you? Not God, not the priest. You are judging you. Um, and so that's very much true, I think. Uh, of course, there are probably some exceptions and some priests who maybe don't do this the way that they should, but I think that's a rare exception. Um, the other thing I would say is it's important to remember that sin is really boring, that mm. I honestly don't really remember specific confessions because I've heard most of them. It's not that interesting. Sin is really, it's not thrilling. I mean, it, to us when we're kind of in the thralls of it, and 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 especially if we've committed a, a mortal sin, you know, we can be ashamed and we, we want to hide it and we think it's the worst thing ever if anybody finds out. But in confession, it's like, it really, nothing surprises me. I've, I don't know that I've ever been surprised in a confession. Um, and, uh, and even if you, even if you haven't heard, like maybe not, you heard something before it, it's again, sin runs along kind of well-established ruts, you know, and they, and, and it's a very uncreative thing. It has no fecundity, no fertility, no virility to it. It's just, a, it's just a boring anti-life yep. um, in the end, um, you know, and holiness is endlessly interesting. Um, you know, and the differences between all the saints, you know, bears witness to this, you know, sin is like, yeah, again, we, we can kind of categorize and catalog sin, um, because it, it just doesn't tend to do very many creative things with a person and people feel it, you know, feel the experience of it in their own unique way. But the fact of the thing that's happening to them is not of itself a unique thing. Right. Um, and to your point about, you know, regard for the penitent, I mean, Thornton says it really well when he says it's it's practically impossible not to love penitence yeah. because humility before Christ is an immensely and intrinsically lovable thing. And that, that's actually when we shed all the pretense, that's actually when we are the most capable of, of, of receiving love, of, of actually being lovable. And it's important on that note to know that the priest prays before he hears the confession and after he hears the confession for wisdom, for guidance, um, for uh, after after the absolution and he goes away, he prays another prayer kind of for the people who have made their confession. And a lot of priests, I don't think 
everyone does this, but a lot of priests do the penance that was prescribed to the penitent. And I think that's kind of a cool way of imagining that the church is there to bear your burdens with you, alongside you, that you're not alone in this. Um, so the priest is there to support you, to help you uh, even. And so I think uh, understanding that that's what's going on can help people because they might think the priest is judging them or whatever, but nah. Yeah, and I'm I'm always thrilled in the confessional because it's like witnessing the restoration of a relationship. You know, it's sin is a heavy, weighty thing. It weighs on us, pulls us down, and you feel for the experience and the emotionality that the people, your your you know your penitents, um, you you feel that for them. But at the same time, it's like there's almost nothing better than than being able to witness the restoration of that relationship. And seeing somebody take it seriously and 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 see it in such a beautiful way. Um, so yeah, I love that Thornton points out that that we're all on the same side because we're all on the same side. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna think worse of you for coming to confession. I'm gonna be overjoyed that you came to confession. I'm not gonna remember what you said. I'm gonna take lots of joy away from that experience knowing that you are attempting to live the life that Christ has called us all to live. If if you don't come to confession, we're all just guessing what your sins probably are anyways. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the confession itself here. Um, having, you know, let's say we're in the confessional, um, you know, what, what sets us up for being being fully present there, you know, and this is part, partly preparation, but then also partly the fortitude of, of actually following through in the confessional with what we've prepared maybe to say. Um, in this, you know, sometimes the, the conversation around devotional guides like the self-examination in the St. Augustine's prayer book comes to mind. Um, tools like that that help us to ask questions of ourselves we might not be uh, immediately inclined to ask, or maybe even just giving us a breadth of ways of looking at our moral life um, beyond the things that most imminently burden our conscience. Um, you know, what could you, could either of you, would, would either of you like to comment about kind of the place of those things, those place of those kind of lists, um, those moral examines, um, and maybe some caveats for their, the limitations of their use? They're helpful in a general sense. Uh, no person has committed every sin. And you can read them sometimes coming away with the idea like, well, I've done that and I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. And part of it is it's there to help you. It's, it's there to help you recall. It's, it's a tool in recollection. It's not the way that you just sit there and make a list and say, well, I've done everything. Um, because you haven't. You know, we, we all struggle with particular things and we really need to get at those particular things in a specific way. Um, that's one of the things about going to confession and making a confession that's important is you try to be as specific and complete as you can be. Um, there is, there's allowance and room for the fact that our memories are imperfect and mm -hmm. that, you know, you don't need to go into the gory details, um, but you need to give an idea of frequency and uh, an idea of um, some, some level of specificity. Can't just be like, oh, I was prideful. 
I mean, we need a little bit more than that. We need to kind of unpack the nature of that. Um, but you also don't need naming, to say like naming it with enough specificity to, you know, so that it actually like we've actually described the thing with accuracy. Right. If I go to the doctor and say my arm hurts, well, there's a thousand reasons why my arm could hurt. But if I say specifically my elbow hurts when I bend it this way and there's a popping noise right here, that gives the the physician a little bit more, um, you know, information to help you in a more direct way. Um, and if you remember that you've committed something 972 times, great. But if you understand that it's a pattern in your life and you say, um, I've lied, uh, you know, many times, that's also helpful. That's good. That's okay. You don't have to say the exact number if you don't know. Because right. again, we're trying to suss out whether or not this is something that's happened recently and it's kind of a one-off or it happens somewhat regularly or it's a habitual problem that you keep doing time and time and time again. Um, so I think that those those examinations, those those lists and things just help us begin the process of categorizing and understanding ourselves, but they're not the sort of sum total of the process. Yeah, I think I would use the phrase uh, relationship over rubric. Mm -hmm. um, that the relationality of confession is more important than the lists. The lists are there, uh, and this is true of any, like, uh, it's possible to study virtue in a way that doesn't actually produce any virtue in you. Right. <laughs> you can you can know all the daughters of all the cardinal virtues and not possess them. And so it's very similar, uh, I think, in confession that um, that the relationship. So So what I mean by that is that Sometimes it can be hard to categorize a sin based on just one facet of the self-examination. Like sometimes a sin might go into multiple areas and not fit neatly mm -hmm. into one category. If you're if it's a question in your mind, was it a sin or not? Or I don't even know what kind of sin this is. Just explain it to the priest, because like Father Creighton said, that's that's them getting the data to create a diagnosis that is helpful. And sometimes mm -hmm. that context helps, you know, like I made a confession once and I was talking about a, a, a sin that was sort of had become a habit. And, you know, the thing I was confessing was not that sin. It was that I wasn't doing that sin, but I was settling for like a less good thing as a replacement of that sin. You know what I mean? So I was like going yeah. up to a certain line or I was replacing it with something else. And it, that wasn't good either. But I was sort of allowing myself to be. Uh, lulled into a false sense of security by the lesser good and so it's like there's not just one thing going on there that's like a that's a <laughs> multifaceted problem um and so it was helpful you know for the priest i think to hear this struggle and i got some decent advice from that so yeah so I, again the relationship over the rubric the rubric uh, uh, the rubrics were made to, for man not man for the rubric <laughs> No, there's two kind of practical uh, expressions that, that I can observe in, in, as tendencies in some of my own confessions. Um, sadly, not only the early ones, um, but in other seasons as well. Um, one of them is the what I what I've called the flyover confession, which you, Father Creighton, you kind of highlighted. It's the I have been prideful, slothful, envious, covetous, you know, wrathful, and and you're like for these and all my other sins that I now can, and you're like, all right, hold on, you know, like yeah, first of all, like you said that you know, okay, 
yes, maybe like in an ancillary way, sin is this weird taproot thing that connects to all other vice. Sure. Okay. But like, what are your things? That's a, that's the one. So, and, and get more granular about it. Like in what ways are you experiencing that? But then also we have the, you know, what I, what I've also observed in my own confessions at times is the bury the lead confession, um, which uses the voluminousness of, uh, of that, of those rubrics and all the sub forms of vice um, as a way of, of kind of, again, burying the lead being like, you know, I, you know, it's really about pride this, this season, you know, and, and, uh, and about my lack of, you know, my, my attempt to control life and do this thing. And, um, and, and, oh, and, oh, yeah, I've been yelling a lot at my, uh, my, my friend and, and, uh, but, but really it's about covetousness too. And, you know, and, and you kind of sandwich the real thing or bury it way down the list. And, and, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, it's having the honesty to say, all right, my the the thing that I'm struggling with is this thing that I that I'm afraid to say, you know. And it's the thing that I don't want to say, and the thing I want to say a bunch of other stuff in front of, in the hopes that you'll get so lulled in by that that you won't notice this thing I'm really sensitive about down here. Um, and that's a, that's the other thing that is a caveat I think against the rubrics is it can't be a way of masking. It can't be a way of of saying, look how self-aware I am by all this language that I'm using, that I, I I lose the ability to just say in plain human words, look, I've I've been I've been I've been really angry at my family lately, you know, and uh, I've been habitually angry and short with them. And and I'm really ashamed about that. Um, but like you, like we, like we, like Harton, you know, tells us that God God asks of us the best confession we can make at any time. Um, and he doesn't expect impossibilities. And it's, it's something we grow in as we go through it. Um, I know we're coming up on our time here for a short. So I, I want to talk about a little bit about the, the aftermath of a good confession. So we, we've made a confession. We've named our sins with, with specificity. We've, 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 un, we've unburdened these, these things we carry in the conscience that weigh down the conscience. Um, we've expressed remorse, repentance, desire to amend. We've received absolution and a penance. Um, you know, as as a former you know scrupulous youth, um, you know, I still sometimes, even in my adult you know you know priest self, uh, still come away like, but was that for real? You know, so I mean, so could either of you maybe tackle the issue of maybe um, how we go forward from confession and what what is subsequent confessions maybe look like, frequency of confessions, um, but also just you know what do we do after we've been absolved? The uh... I was just talking about this with a, a group of parishioners at a retreat that as human beings, we think about the world in stories. That's how we make sense of reality. We tell ourselves certain stories. And sometimes with sins, especially besetting or habitual sins, we tell ourselves a certain story about them that can be harmful, either uh, that kind of overly scrupulous, you know, was I really sorry for it because I keep doing it? Um, or we tell ourselves stories about how how powerful that sin is in our life or something. Um, confession is an opportunity for restorying the person. Um, instead of relying on our story about ourselves, we should rely on the story that God tells us about ourselves in the, through the priest. So go in peace, the Lord has put away all your sins and pray for me a sinner, he says at the end. And so we go out, and, and that is where... Um, Again, the rubric for us, it should be progress. So I, I went to confession. I confessed this habitual sin. I, you know, I got drunk five times last week. Okay. You know, it may be that you still get drunk this week, but 
is it less than five? You know, is it, is it, are you making progress? Um, and so that, that becomes really the struggle. And so I think you should go as often as you need it moving forward. Uh, for me, that means every week. Um, and part of that is, is because of Sundays. I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, celebrating mass in a state of mortal sin, but, um, but I think it's also just a good habit. Like the more I do that, the more self-reflective I am. And the more uh, during the week when I get tempted to do certain things, I go, oh, well, I'll have to tell my confessor if I <laughs> if I make that choice. So there's a kind of built in accountability, you know, built into that. But for other people, it may be that every week is, you know, maybe more anxiety inducing than helpful. Um, so maybe it would help to slow it down a little. Maybe you go every couple weeks or make a habit to go once a month or something like that. I think that's also something that can be worked out in conversation with your priest with your confessor, with your spiritual director, um, what it is you might need. It may even also vary by season, you know, um, uh, a, a busy season where you're not able to stop and think a lot. You might benefit from intentionally going to confession more often. Whereas uh, if you feel like you're making good progress and you're, and, and things are going well in terms of your spiritual life, maybe you don't need to go every week. Maybe you can take some time in between confessions. So it really, I think, varies in person to person. And this is the beauty of our tradition, I think, that we have that kind of pastoral mentality uh, where it's not so me mechanistic that you have to be there every Saturday or else. Um, you know, it's, it, it, there's a kind of humanness to it that is good. Yeah, and I and one of the things that I think is really really helpful is in doing penance. Um, it's not transactional; it's relational, and it helps me, the penitent, engage with what just happened. So, one of the things that I always uh, tell to to penitents is: do your penance the same day. Don't put it off. You don't put off your penance, right? You do it, and and it's really nice in a lot of ways to be able to go to confession. And if you're at the church or something like that, then go do your penance in the church or the chapel or something like that. It's a nice place to do it and get it done. But I think that there's a way in which we can view penance, too, as sort of sitting with what just happened. Right? As I offer, uh, you know, three Our Fathers, one for an increase in faith, one hope, and one charity, you know, that my confessor gave me i'm engaging with what i just experienced in the confessional well i need to grow in faith because i confess these things they've been put away they've been removed i've been absolved but this action of penance is helping to train me it's helping to kind of solidify the reality of what i just experienced and to me that helps with scrupulosity it helps with um, the question, am I really forgiven? Uh, it it re reinforces that objectivity um, in the sacrament. Um, and yeah, I always tell people, you know, take as needed, right? This is a, this is a thing that I, I don't know the, the frequency of how often you're committing a mortal sin. Are you, are you self excommunicating yourself? right after you go to confession, well, then you need to come back to confession. You know, like this is something that is about your relationship with God. And if you are cutting yourself off, uh, then you need to get in and make it right. Uh, so that might be very regular. You know, I, I think at the, at the core of it, making a spiritual practice of going to confession uh, 
uh, a discipline or a habit is the most important thing. That's that's what we need to be doing is in concert with your priest or spiritual director or any of those sorts of things. We need to be making this a practice, a habit of behavior. Um, and then between, if, if your habit is once a month and you need to go between them, fine. Cool. Do it. This, this is all, it's always a good thing. So go, go take advantage of it. I think that's excellent counsel, you know, uh, as you know, especially highlighting the, the place of penance there as the thing we do after leaving. It's a grace and a gift to us that we're given something to do where we might not know what to do. You know, um, we're used to the kind of catastrophe of life where, you know, right, I got to forbear, I got to just grit and bear this, the awful consequences of how life doesn't work out. But then when it's funny how sometimes we experience a real grace and we're like, I'm really disoriented by this. I don't, I don't know how to actually live now that I've been forgiven um, when I expected vengeance. Um, and penance is a, is a gift of an answer to that question saying, okay, um, well, go, you know, go read uh, Psalm 32 and, uh, and, and, you know, and pray and offer it as a prayer from the heart, you know, and, and, and it's the, as Harton would say, it's the, it's the beginning of our renewed life. Um, it's a, it's a first step to take in a life that has been renewed and restored. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's going to be, have to be our time for today. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your comments, uh, today. Um, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us for this uh, episode on confession. Um, as we uh, close up shop here, uh, please make sure to follow us on Facebook or Twitter, like and sus subscribe on YouTube, and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And as always, you're more than welcome to join the communion of Patreon saints for just $5 a month. Father Creighton, would you uh, pray us out today? Absolutely. Let us pray. O Holy Spirit, source of all light, spirit of wisdom, of understanding, and of knowledge, come to our assistance and enable us to make good confessions. Enlighten us and help us now to know our sins, as one day we shall be forced to recognize them before thy judgment seat. Bring to our mind the evil which we have done and the good which we have neglected. Permit us not to be blinded by self-love. Grant us, moreover, heartfelt sorrow for our transgressions, and the grace of a sincere confession, so that we may be forgiven and admitted into thy friendship. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen.